Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Come to the water of life You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again, let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again, let all who are thirsty come to Him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. There's something that just gets your blood going and excitement cranked up. A race. Whether it's a flying Scott sailboat race or a race, a foot race. Well, in a race, only one prize is awarded for first place. Because you know that, those who are going to be racing go into very strict training. Everyone who competes in the the game wants to win. So they set their, their schedule up early, taking their their run They do it in order to get a crown, a gold medal. It's not gold. It's just gold-colored. You can't take it to the bank. Well, in my case, and I pray in yours, we don't want to be last. We want to run the race. 
and we want to win. So, I don't run the race like a man running aimlessly. And here's the problem. Most people who call themselves Christians run the race of life aimlessly, floating from one church to another, floating from one activity to another, one sporting activity to another. They're living aimlessly, enjoying their life as they choose to live it. I don't choose to live like that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 27, Now I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I might not be disqualified for the prize. See, many can win this prize, eternal life. But many will miss this prize because they fall back into their favorite sin. And they live aimlessly. Oh, there's a there's a festival this week over here. Oh, there's there's something happening in Annapolis. There's something going on. Always something new, some entertainment searching after the entertainment of this world. Or some totally tied up in the baseball. And it consumes them. It consumes them. What have you given yourself to? Even if you know you're not very good at it, but it's what you enjoy doing. Whether it's growing something or running or sailing or what you enjoy doing, and so you do it. But you do it aimlessly until you get more into the sport. And then I've watched, I like to cycle. Problem is, you have to buy all the gear that goes with it and the expensive bike. And then you discover there are groups that that cycle, that travel. I knew one person who traveled with a group in the summertime. They'd spend the weekend on the road, staying in a in a motel on their journey. We can get involved in all kinds of things, but it's aimlessly living. It's not the disciplined schedule of a true racer who wants to win the single prize. Lazy. Laid back. Fat. Happy. Never really decided to pay attention to the outcome of their lives. I know Christians who say, Oh, I love Jesus. But they show up at church by themselves. They don't have a flock. They don't have anybody following them. They don't have, they're not winning the race. They're losing the race. Pastor, are you saying that if you're not winning people to Jesus, you're losing the race? Absolutely. What are you doing out there? What's your relationship at work? Is it just, oh, we want to get this job done? then you're living aimlessly according to Christ and according to Paul. You have to decide how you're going to run the race. And the, and the decision you make about how you're going to run the race will determine the outcome. It will be either a win or a lose for you. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No. And it really raises the question, 
What happened to the children of Israel? I mean, these were the people called out of Egypt with incredible miracles and demonstrations of power. And they have a goal. They're going to invade Cana land. And they're going to take that land for themselves and for their families. So the first thing God does in preparing them for the race is he begins to move him one campsite at a time across the desert to the mountain, Mount Sinai. So they come there, and they're in training. They don't like it, but they are. They're hungry. They're running out of all the food that they could carry in their wagons on the way out of Egypt. On the way there, they run out of water. One place, they have bitter water. Moses throws a piece of wood, the cross of Christ, into that water, and it turns sweet. So they're beginning the race toward Cana land. But they fall back into their sins constantly. Now, I understand this. After my late wife died, she had cancer. I was utterly heartbroken. Now, the Lord had already told me, leave the television alone. Now, the Lord has told some of you that, and you have already disobeyed the Lord. You have your favorite TV shows. Well, they're good shows, Pastor. Right? And they take your time away from the training process that God wants to call you into. So, somebody said to me, why don't you watch on YouTube? Why don't you watch some of the classic movies? So I started watching movies. Well, the Lord had already told me, turn the television off. But he didn't tell me, don't watch movies. So I began watching many hours of movies to escape the pain that pierced my heart when Jan died. Finally, the Holy Spirit said to me, didn't I tell you to turn the television off? Aren't those movies the same thing you would have watched on your television? It's just a different instrument? Well, yes. I felt like, duh, dummy. Cut them off. And so I cut off the movies. But of course, I could fall back into sin by watching videos. And the Lord finally very patiently said to me, turn them off. So here, three times, I fell back into my sin of watching videos or movies or screens. And the Lord had to call me each time to take up the race again, to stop falling back into my sin. Well, for you, you wouldn't say watching the movies was a sin for you. I believe it is, but I'm not going to tell you. The Holy Spirit will have to deal with you. But we do all kinds of things to escape ourselves. And those things that we do to escape ourselves are called sin. 
Now, if we go to the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all all under the cloud, and they all passed through the, the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drink. They drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. So here we have children of Israel are on strict training for the race across that desert. And because of their continual turning back to their sins, that race ended up taking 40 years. And almost every one of them died. None of them achieved the goal of reaching the promised land, save two. Why? Because they kept falling back into their sin. I can't tell you how how serious this is for us. Now, you can have an intellectual understanding of eschatology. You can have an intellectual understanding of of who Jesus is. You can understand the theology of the gospel. But that's not going to give you the race. That's not how you win the race. You win the race by giving yourself wholeheartedly into the hands of Jesus Christ and receiving from him only what he wants to give you. You win the race by totally giving over your life to Jesus Christ and the whole world and its deal you ignore as any racer would. When I was going to the race for my Flying Scott sailboat, 19-foot class, you think I was downtown playing while I was getting ready for the race? Are you kidding me? No, I was polishing my boat. I was making sure everything was perfect, and I was out practicing. You think you can win the race while you're engaged in every other kind of activity and they absorb your thoughts and your energy and your money? What if I needed a new mainsail? And I've spent all my money over at the county fair. No, it doesn't work. That's insanity. That by definition is insanity. No, if you really want to win the race, you spend all you have on training, supplies, and the entry fee to get into the race. Paul says, They were all baptized into Moses. They all ate the same spiritual food. They drank the same spiritual drink. Then why didn't they get to the promised land? Well, in part, it was lazy. But there's a much bigger reason. They never got to the promised land because when they got to the promised land, It was too scary for them, and they turned around and said, no, we don't want to go into the promised land. Why? 
because they had not spent their time preparing and training for the promised land and for the battle that was to ensue with swords and spears, arrows. They weren't ready for the blood. Second round, the children of these who fell in the desert under Joshua's leadership rolled through the whole promised land like a machine and won for themselves the prize of a beautiful, beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. But let me read for you. I'm going to tell you today the very specific sins that were committed in their leisure. These are leisure sins. We find them listed in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Let's look. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. They had their sins. They had their favorite sins. And they kept going back to those sins. Some of you have a lot of favorite sins you go back to. And when you go back, it consumes your time, your energy, your money. Consumes your life. And means you will not be trained for the race that is set before us. And you will fail. And at the end of your life, you're going to face death. And it's too late. It's too late. You can't get unfat at the end of your life so you die of a heart attack. You hear what I'm saying? So here's what they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. Well, what's an idolater? An idolater is when you place your sin as your primary object and desire of your heart. And you constantly go after it. You don't place Jesus first. You place your sin first. You place your interest, your hobby, not Jesus. You love the way of darkness. So it's to darkness you go. Now listen, the people sat down to eat and drink. Our neighbor holds a lot of parties. And I tell you what, they're loud parties. The alcohol flows. the hamburgers, the filet mignon, it all flows. And they're loud and boisterous, telling jokes, shouting to each other. And then about two o'clock, it'll start breaking up. And of course, they don't go quietly into the night. No, they go with shouts and jokes and says, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. That's what's being talked about here. Pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. So for many, when they finish the party, it's uh, sexual entertainment time. So couples with a bit of alcohol begin to split up and go with others. Sex is the name of the game. Can you imagine in that tent community of Israel, over a million people 
You don't think they went to one another's tents after their party, do you? We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. So the Lord just said, watch who goes to what tent. Take their life when they get back to their tent. And it was over for them. 23,000 people went to play after the party. And the Lord took their lives. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. What do I mean test? Be angry because they don't have what they want. They don't have the comfort they want. And so they begin to say, is God among us or not? We're on our own here. Well, all they had to do was push the tent flap back and look, and they would see the cloud and the daytime, and they would see the pillar of fire at night, and they would see the tabernacle. And the presence of God was there. But they tested God. God gives us manna to eat every day. Enough for the whole day. We have beef from the sacrifices we made. Or we have mutton from the sheep we've offered as sacrifices. And we've been able to have the meat for us to eat. They should not test the Lord as some of them did. And the Lord sent poison serpents among them. They began to die of poison serpent bites. Remember, that's when they cried out to the Lord in mercy, take the snakes away. Instead of taking the snakes away, he had Moses erect a pole. There's a lot of discussion. What did he put there? Did he put a an evil snake or did he put a seraphim, an image of an angel, the war angel? I don't know what he did. A lot of people died. They could look at the snake or the seraphim and they would be healed instantly. And do not grumble as some of them did. Do not grumble? If you're not getting what you want and you're refusing the training necessary to prepare you for warfare, The men aren't coming out and practicing with their swords and their spears. They're a lazy bunch. They want everything given to them on a silver platter. They don't want to train. They don't want to go to Bible study. And believe me, they don't want to go to a prayer meeting. Sound anything like your church? I actually have people at the National Prayer Chapel who don't come to prayer meeting. Why? What's too far, Pastor? Is it really? They're not in training. They don't want to come on Sunday. A man said to me, I've been wanting to come to the National Prayer Chapel for a long, long time. But I live over on the other side of the of the Capitol. That's a long way for me to drive. Oh, really? You don't have a problem getting out for some entertainment activity, do you? 
I ask him, no, I don't. But it's too far to drive to church. They're not in training. Somebody said to me, I don't come to the prayer chapel because it's a boot camp for heaven. I can get there without going through boot camp. Really? You can get to heaven with no training, with no discipline, with no accountability, with no close fellowship with other brothers and sisters who are on their way to heaven. Really? What are you doing with your life, mister? Are you training for heaven? Or are you training for the sport you're interested in? Are you interested in some advancement in your job? So you're taking the online courses. Takes up all of your time and energy. So you're in training to get more money. Nothing wrong with that if Jesus leads you to that. But where are you with Jesus? Are you in training for heaven or are you neglecting? Oh, I want to go to this place over here called a church. It's very pleasant. They have soft pews and they have a nice preacher. Tells some jokes at the beginning. It's great entertainment. Really? Is that going to get you to heaven? Oh, and he never talks about sin. He says we're okay to go to heaven with our sin, that when we die, Jesus will take all of our sin away. And then we'll be holy and we can go to heaven. You think you're going to be happy in heaven without your sin? When that's what you've loved your whole life, you've loved your sin, and you've gone back to it and back to it and back to it? Really? This is not Fantasia time, people. This is not Disney World time, people. This is reality time. What are you doing with your life to prepare and to run the race for heaven? If you do not run the race, if you do not prepare, if you do not train, if you're not reading the scriptures, if you're not praying, you're not going to get there. And you're going to be like these people that I'm reading about who died in the wilderness. They never got to the promised land. Because when they they got to the promised land, they were not trained to go in. And they were afraid. They said, we look like ants before these giants. It didn't take take the second generation to figure out how to take out the giants. They wanted the land. They wanted the houses. They wanted the vineyards. Remember, everything that was there was to belong to them. They didn't plant the vineyards. They didn't plant the, the fruit trees. They didn't build the houses. They were already there. going to get to heaven. You're going to find mansions and streets of gold. You're going to find incredible food. You're going to find the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil will not be in heaven. That'll belong to the devil in his shirt pocket. Before he goes into the lake of fire. Now Paul continues. These things happen to them. That is all these things I've been talking about happening to the children of Israel. 
These things happened to them as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. In other words, you better get ready. You better get in training. You better take this seriously or you're not going to make it. Oh, okay. I'll cut out the sugar. For how long? One day? And then you're back in the midst of all of those desserts and things you love and things you love to drink. And and you're not losing any weight, are you? He says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Fall where? Back into your sin. So if you think you're you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to men. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In other words, God is monitoring the level of training that you are in. He will help guide you in the level of training necessary to get you to a place where you can win heaven. Therefore, my dear brothers, flee from idolatry. That is, flee from everything that you put ahead of Jesus. You can quickly tell what you put ahead of Jesus. Just look at your schedule for the day. Now, I'm including work in that schedule because at work, you're really supposed to be a representative of Jesus and win other people in that place. Oh, but pastor, I'd lose my job if I did that. I didn't say beat him over the head. I said, win them with love to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I speak to sensible people. I don't know. Am I speaking to sensible people? I don't think so. But only a small handful of people show up at church. I'm not speaking to sensible people. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Did you just have communion? There's only one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of that one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar? Do I mean then the sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. We just had communion. That was the altar of God. Offered there our bodies as living sacrifices to Almighty God. We drank the grape juice. We ate the bread. We participated in the altar of God. Have you already fallen back into your sin? Or are you in stricter training, preparing your heart for heaven? It says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part of both the Lord's table and the table of the demons. Are you trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? 
are we stronger than he? So we leave the table of the Lord. And then what do we do? Go back and fall back into our old sins. Instead of spending our time in strict training for heaven, we go back to our TVs, our YouTubes. We go back to our entertainment. We're back to our lust for money. Some of you spent all week pedal to the metal, just trying to make a few extra dollars. One young woman came to me after church on Sunday, and she said, Pastor, I'm not going to work on Sundays anymore. I don't think God wants me to. Why? You want money, don't you? Yes, but I believe that God can bring me the money he wants me to have if I do what he wants me to do. I said, you got it. You've got the secret right there. Receive only from the hand of God what God wants to give you. Don't go grubbing in the devil's garbage pin to try to feed yourself. says in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble. even if I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, the good of many others, so that they too may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. There you have it. In the training that we're engaged in, in the Bible study, in the prayer, in going to a godly, holy church, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What we're actually being trained in is how to walk glorifying Jesus. That's what the training is about right now, teaching us how to glorify Jesus. Why? Because we're going to spend eternity with him. We'd best learn how to please him now. Some of you are working on pleasing the devil. You have your favorite sins. You have your life. No, you don't. It's not your life. You're going to give it up. You're going to die. Children of Israel. They died. I want to read this for you. The Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
we've come to share in Christ. If we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first, as it has just been said, today you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Brother, my sister, I don't mean to be hard on you today. I'm just trying to outline very clearly what you're going to have to do and be if you're going to train for this race and end up at the promised land instead of the gateway to hell. Most are going to go to the gateway of hell with all of their favorite activities and all of their favorite toys. And all of that, too, will be cast into the fire of hell. And they will not comfort you there. So what decisions do you need to make? Why don't you get a paper and pencil and begin to jot down What are the things the Holy Spirit has been telling you to do that you've not done? Where has he told you to go that you have not gone? What has he told you to cut off that you still go to? The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us the way of the cross. Are you listening? Will you do it? Don't let my words just be tinkling cymbal in your ears. Get serious with me. This is not a visit to Disney World. It's not Fantasia. It's not make-believe. This is the real deal. And you need to bestir yourself and get serious about Jesus. I hear this one pastor once in a while, he'll say, are you serious? Well, that's my question to you today. Are you serious? Do you want Jesus? Do you want heaven? Then get with it. Get into training. Stop falling back into your wicked sins. Let the blood of Jesus wash you clean and then stay clean by being in strict training with the Holy Spirit. I'm in the school of the Holy Spirit and believe me, it's strict, strict training. I do what he tells me to do and I go where he tells me to go and right now he's told me, sit down and wait on me. For almost five months, I've been sitting down and waiting on Jesus. Well, let's pray. We're almost out of time today. Mighty God, this has been about as straight a message as I can give. It's dead serious. Many will not tolerate the message because it will offend their sensibilities. They're enjoying their cake and ice cream. They're enjoying their liquor. They're enjoying their fornication. They're enjoying their rebellion against you, the Most High God. Lord, I pray now for your mercy for each person who has listened or who will listen to this broadcast. And I ask, Lord, that you would teach them how to walk in training under your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would redeem every person listening. I ask that each one of us would be sheltered under the blood of Jesus that he spilled at Calvary's tree. Lord, we love you. I love you. 
I want to be faithful to your word. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to arrive at at Cana land and be a coward. Be afraid to, to go forward with Jesus into heaven. Not having been trained. Not having built up my endurance. Oh Lord, come. Come, Jesus, come quickly. Come, Jesus, come quickly. Pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I'd love to hear from you. If your heart says, support the work of the gospel, then write to me with your best donation. It will go 100% for the work of the gospel. It will not go into my pocket. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Whitbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also go, please, to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. If you haven't checked out the shorts, you might want to do that. They're just one minute long, and then the broadcasts are almost a full hour. And then I'm also, uh, Brother Ed has been putting us up on TikTok. Invite you to check that out. And send it to somebody. I don't know how Brother Ed does it, but he distills everything down, down, down into just the core essence. And then you can tell whether that message would be helpful for you on your journey. Hmm. Now let me pray for some of you who are sick. Lord, I lift up my hand in healing for every sick person who will hear this broadcast. And I ask Jesus that you would move in compassion and touch them right now and restore them in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, brother, sister. I'll talk to you soon. I'll be here tomorrow. God bless you.